When Jesus saw that this guy had answered intelligently, that is the scribe. So this is a scribe. This is somebody who actually had an honest question. It's not one of the plants that with these hard questions. It's an honest question. When Jesus saw that guy answered intelligently, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Now, when he said that, please note, he said, you're not in the kingdom of God yet, but you're not far. You know a lot of stuff, but there's still a line you have to cross. I'm telling you, there are a lot of religious people A lot of our friends, family, people who are religious, they know a lot of the truth that unless they accept Jesus and surrender their life to him, unless they choose to follow him, then they're going to hear as they stand before the Lord, like Matthew 7 says in the day of judgment, they're going to hear, depart from me, for I never knew you. But Lord, we did this in your name and we did that in your name. And there's a lot of religious people who are going to do all kind of stuff in the name of Jesus. And he says, depart from me for I never knew you. Knowledge about the Lord is not the same as knowing the Lord. Would you agree with that? You know, before, uh, when Jan applied to be my wife some 43 years ago, No, I checked. She didn't apply to be my wife. Come on, you know that. But I, when I met her and was taken by her, I checked out her, I would call it her resume, from a guy at her church that I knew who was a leader of a, a youth ministry. I checked out with him as to what kind of person she was. So I knew who she was. But then I got to know her and I got to experience and enjoy the who she was. But it was different than checking out her resume and getting to know her. Do you understand what I'm talking about? A lot of people know about Jesus. They know about God. Do you realize that all the demons who are going to suffer eternity apart from God in his presence, they know much more than you and I do about God. They know much more than you and I do about the redemption offered through Jesus Christ. Satan, you talk about, you talk about a religious person who knows the truth, but has never surrendered to it. Guys, it isn't whether we know the truth, it's whether we come to know Jesus Christ as a person and walk in a personal relationship. See, we're dead. The scripture says we're dead in our trespasses and sin. And he made us alive together. How? Well, by grace, we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. Even the faith doesn't come from us. It's a gift of God. Our belief is a gift that God gives us the ability to believe in Jesus when we cross the line. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is my sheep. They hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my what? Voice. You go, Mick, are you telling me that you hear Jesus? Yep, I do. I do. I don't hear this, I make it Jesus. I don't hear that. What I hear him speaking is in his word. Now, there are times when he's fine-tuned through a prophetic word, through a word of knowledge. There are times. But it isn't for me. It isn't the norm. The norm is I read his word and I hear what his word says and I say, you're saying that to me. Now, let me ask you the question. 
Have you ever heard a sermon, maybe from me, maybe from Jason, maybe from somebody else, maybe somebody on the radio, somebody on the TV, and you thought, how did that guy know my situation? And they pegged it. Why? It's because we know the voice of the Lord. Thus, we know the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that's what we want. We don't want somebody that clocks in and their religious stuff. We want to introduce people to Jesus, not a religion. Because I tell you what, religion is no fun. I was in a very legalistic church when I got saved, and there was a lot of that that wasn't very fun. But when I found freedom in Jesus, guess what? I loved it, and I never want to go back. I love it. Okay, Mick, are we really going to get through the chapter? Not if you keep telling stories. No. So it says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. It's like you understand what the most important thing is. Now you've got to realize that there's another step you have to take. And if, if you've come to church this morning knowing a lot of this stuff that's in the Bible, knowing the law of God, knowing the gospel, but you've never taken the step to cross over and say, Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I give myself to you. Then you're close to the kingdom of God, but you're not there. And I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. I want to beseech you. That's the old King James word. I want to, I want to beg you. Consider crossing the line and saying yes to Jesus Christ before you leave out of this place this morning. Is that a fair question? So I want to let you know that. So if you're already feeling squirmish, you're gonna get, it's going to get worse the more we go, okay? Until you finally just go, ah, I give up, I surrender. Jesus, I'm yours. Take me. I'm a mess, but take me if you want me. And you know what he's going to say? You are a mess. And I love you. And let me take your life and let me put it back in order the way I want it to go. Anyway, let's go on. Verse, into verse 34, it says, After that, nobody would venture to ask him any more questions. It's like, we're not going to ask him anything. He makes us look dumb. Verse 35, and Jesus began to say as he taught in the temple. Now, note this, different group of people. This is not the hecklers coming at him. These are the people that want to hear him teach. And you know what he's going to teach about? He's going he's to make one of these statements that is going to so completely astound them, but it is about his nature and who he is. Remember, just a few days ago, the crowds, thousands, maybe upward of 100,000 people were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were declaring Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. So Jesus in talking, he's there in the temple courts and he says, verse 35, how is it? He asks the people a question. I love it. This asking questions is probably the best manner of teaching. How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? Now, you might even recall son of David was a, an Old Testament phrase that referred to the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one who would come. How, do, how is it that they say that the Christ is the son? Of David. Then he quotes a verse of scripture from the Psalm, Psalm 110. David himself said in the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, David wrote these words. Now, you've got to realize this is hundreds of years before Jesus came. 
The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. Now, if you were to take the time to read all of Psalm 110, it's a great psalm talking about how the Lord has given to the Messiah the ability to rule and to reign and his enemies will be subdued under his rule. It's a beautiful picture about what eventually will happen when Jesus Christ returns. When he returns and is the king of the the millennial kingdom. He's the one. He's the king. It's a beautiful verse, a chapter that talks about his universal rulership when all nations will bow to him. Okay, so this was very clearly in the Jewish mind. This was understood, Psalm 110. This is what's called a messianic psalm. Talking about the Messiah and the unique thing. I'm going to give you a little word study here. In the Old Testament, the Lord, now if you have a New American Standard, and I believe there are some other translations that do this as well, if you have a New American American Standard, you're going to see the word, the Lord, L-O-R-D, they're all capitalized, said to my Lord, capital L, small O-R-D. That signifies that in the original transcripts, the Hebrew transcripts, there are two different Hebrew words that are used for Lord. They're both translated Lord. The Lord, and that's the L-O-R-D capital, that's the name, the name, memorial name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent eternal one, the creator of all, the one true God, Yahweh, Jehovah, says to my Lord, Adonai is the word in the Hebrew. It means my master. And so what he's doing, David in the psalm is saying, that the Lord God, creator of all, the one true God, is saying to my master, the master who, as we go through the rest of that psalm, is going to rule. He's going to reign. He's going to subdue his enemies. He's going to do all of this, and his reign will be universal. It's the Messiah, and what Jesus is telling them as he quotes this verse, figure this out. David, you say that the Christ, the Messiah, is a son of David, that is a a descendant of David. So how could it be that David, way back hundreds of years ago, said, the Lord said to my Lord. So is he the Lord? Or is he the descendant of David? How can he be? Verse uh, 37, David himself calls him Lord. So in what sense is he his son? And I love the end of verse 37. And the large crowd, before it was a crowd, now it's a large crowd, enjoyed listening to him. It's like they would hear Jesus and they go, oh, we love listening to this guy. Well, look who are they comparing themselves with or comparing Jesus to. We aren't so jazzed about listening to the Pharisees who are always trying to tell us what we're doing wrong. We're not so jazzed about listening to the Sadducees. And we're going to find out Jesus is going to, caution them about the Sadducees or about actually the scribes, the Pharisees, all of the religious leaders. We're not so excited listening to the religious leaders, but man, do we like listening to Jesus. Never allow yourself to get too enamored by listening to a representative of Jesus. The pure word, the real deal is the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit that speaks to you. You know, as this pastor of this church, now we have entered into our 29th year. I hope hope you 
I, I hope that as I teach the word, you get something from it. I really do. And kind of my pride says, I hope you like listening to me. But one of these days, you're going to forget all about me. And the important thing is that you remember Jesus and that you remember the word of God. Because as we get older, we forget stuff. Do we not? I think I did, but I can't remember. (laughs) There's a little humor there. You'll get it in heaven. Okay. But here's the deal. I like this guy on TV. Oh, he's so good. I like... I, I, or, I like this guy who's so religious. But sometimes teaching religion will inoculate us from the simplicity of the truth of the gospel. Because we start feeling that it's okay to be religious, to go through your religious rituals. And that does the trick and you check it off and everything's cool. But it's not that way. If we don't know Jesus, if we don't come into a relationship with him, we are not going to make the kingdom of God. No ifs, ands, or buts. So how is it? And the, the crowd's going, whoa, this is interesting. So we know that the Messiah is to be the son of David. How in the world... Hundreds of years ago, could David say that the Messiah existed? Yahweh said to my Lord, the Messiah, wait a minute. So how could he be a pre-existent and be the son of David and be a descendant? Well, you and I know the Christmas story. Emmanuel, God with us, that the Holy Spirit came upon this Virgin Mary she, and, and that which she conceived was the holy child, not of a human father, but the holy child of God. Without the seed of man. That's why he was sinless. I got news for you guys. It's through our seed that we pass the sin nature to our generations below us. The only way that you could have somebody that didn't have the sin nature is if he was born of a virgin without the agency of a man. You follow me? And Jesus is the only one. Now, there have been some others that have been claimed, but they have been proven false. DNA tests can do that. No, I didn't have sex with anybody. It was just a oh, liar. But Jesus, born not of the seed of man, born of the seed of God, implanted by the Holy Spirit into the womb of young Mary. But that Jesus... In the beginning, John says, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And in verse 14 of John chapter 1, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Guys, who's the Word referring to? It's Jesus. So wait a minute. In the beginning was the Word. Wait a minute. And then he became flesh. If anybody tells you that the scripture doesn't say that Jesus was divine, if the scripture doesn't teach that Jesus is God, they are gravely mistaken. Because Jesus, God in the flesh, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. He was with God, he was God. And then it says in John, actually, in chapter 1, and, the, and all things came into being through him, and without him nothing came into being that came into being. Wait a minute, all things came into being through who? Through the word. Who's the word? Jesus. 
So if Jesus is the creator, what Jesus is trying to clue to the crowd is, you called me the Messiah a few days ago. You're right. But I didn't just show up 30 years ago. I existed in heaven. John chapter 6, John chapter 8 talks about, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That I come, I proceed from the Father, and I have come down from heaven. Now, there is a religion that says that all of us were little spirit children in heaven somewhere, and we got assigned to human bodies that were conceived and born to human flesh. That's not biblical. The only one who existed that ever inhabited a human body, according to this book, according to the Bible, was Jesus Christ the Messiah. Pre-existent. God, before time began, creator of all things, and then he came into the womb of Mary. That's our Jesus. That's my Jesus. And so he's saying, well, so wait a minute. The Lord Yahweh said to my master, so what do you mean? Back when David wrote this, that Messiah was alive? How can that be? This is a teaching that's just a suggestive teaching to the people that Messiah was preexistent, i.e. Messiah is God in the flesh. It's pretty cool stuff. All right, and then we go on the large cloud or crowd. Oh, they're just enjoying. Oh, I'm loving listening to this guy. It's like I'm looking at the Pharisees going, you guys are worthless. I'm loving listening to Jesus. And in his teaching, verse 38, here's where the caution comes in. He was saying, Beware of the scribes. Now, who were the scribes? The scribes were the ones who held the word of God out toward the people. They were the ones who interpreted the word of God. They are the ones who told the Pharisees what was right, what was wrong. These are the interpreters, the, the I would say, not the practicers, but the religious cops that gave the authority to the Pharisees to point out error. These are the guys that would... Tell the Pharisees what was right, what was wrong. It says in, the, in his teaching, he says, beware of these guys. Beware of the scribes. And then he lists actually five reasons why to beware of these religious guys. Number one, they like to walk around in long robes. Now, wait a minute. Is there anything wrong with walking around in a long robe? Not in and of itself. But we find in the book of Matthew, the way these guys dressed they sought to draw attention to themselves and their holiness and the way they dressed. Basically, beware of these guys who just walk around. It's like they're not doing anything, but they just want to show up and by their very attire, they're trying to say, I'm holier than you. Be, beware of that. They, they like to walk around in these robes, these long robes. They like respectful greetings in the marketplace. Did you realize that in our culture today, one thing that we, are, we find woefully absent is children making respectful greetings to adults? And I think there's a place, there's a time and there's a place that we want to teach our children to, to respond respectfully just because of the adult ought to be respected. And I know that the, what the kid's going to say is, because I've heard this over and over, well, to be respected, you've got to show yourself respectful. No, no, that's, you don't need to. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you straight up, 
I don't agree with a whole lot of what happens out of the Oval Office. I don't agree with a whole lot of uh, happens at our, w- that our current president is behind in supporting. I don't agree, w- agree with the moral basis. I don't agree, agree with the, this woke basis and trying to push transgender and gender fluidity and all of that stuff. I don't, I don't agree with that. But I choose to respect the man because of the office that he holds. I can respect him, but I can disagree with him. Now, respecting says, even though I disagree, I'm not going to make slamming, slanderous, stupid comments like, oh, he's an idiot. That is not respectful. You can say, I disagree with that and, 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 and say it respectfully. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you can be respectful and still disagree with an individual. I would like our children in this church to respect you adults. I'm telling you the truth to some of these little ones. Some of you are pretty scary. You're big. You're so much bigger than they are. You're just, you have a deeper voice. And it's like, oh, we're scared. of It's Goliath and David all over again, you know. And I want to teach our kids not just to fear you, but to honor you and to respect you. I would like, my grandkids to not just come up to you and call you by your first name. You want to use, if you're okay with them using their first name, I, I love the way, this is what we do with, with, our, with our kids' ministry. Toby, who usually leads our kids' ministry, all the kids know her as Miss Toby. So you put, it's a little bit of respect. You know, I don't care whether you adults call me Pastor Mick or not. I'm okay with you calling me Mick. But I would like the children to learn respect to call me Pastor Mick. Now, I got to tell you this because this is funny. I'm already telling you that, so laugh when I get done with it, all right? But here's, this happened. This was, happened at a baptism, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. One of the ladies who's at church today was being baptized. And I had shared with the congregation, I don't really care. Adults, you can call me Mick. You can call me Pastor. You can call me Pastor Mick. Just don't call me Reverend and don't call me Father, okay? Unless you're my kid, don't call me Father. And so anyway, she's talking and giving her testimony, getting ready to be baptized. And she's referring to me about something. And she's, she later told me, she says, I, I wasn't sure whether to say Pastor or whether, whether to say Mick, Pastor or Mick. And it came out, Master, <laughs> It's like, don't call me master either. (laughs) But I think the respect is important. But here are these scribes that he's pointing out. You know, they are so into protocol. You have to treat them a certain way. You have to act a certain way around them. Beware of people who are so high on themselves that they try to push other people into manipulative behavior. Yeah, respect them, of course. But beware of these guys that just, they love, they like to be greeted specially. Oh, you're here and you're a scribe or something. Let's make a special effort of saying, oh, look who, look who's here. Aren't we blessed? Yeah, so much, yeah. They like respectful greetings in the marketplaces. And they like the chief seats in the synagogue. Oh, mister, you're important one. Come get a good seat. Come get a good seat. That's so funny because in our church, it seems like people rush to get the back seats. They aren't the best seats. Come on up. Get a good seat. And they're open to anybody. Sometimes you walk in here, 
You walk in here and you go, wait, somebody's sitting in my seat. Now, that's happened. And I just want to once again say, hey, here at Calvary, we don't save seats. We save souls, not seats. Okay? So there's no, I want the best seat. I want the place of honor. Verse 40, beware these guys. They devour widows' houses. Now, this is just an allusion to one of the practices of these religious leaders. They had an internal law that said that they can't receive remuneration if they go do something for somebody, but they can receive a gift. And so they would, they would pressure people to give them the gifts. Even to the point at sometimes of devouring widows' houses. And for appearance sake, they like long prayers. They offer long prayers. Some of you have not begun to feel comfortable praying in public or praying out loud, even in a small group, because you feel like your prayer has to meet somebody else's role model standard of a prayer. I I just want to remove that pressure from you guys. As a matter of fact, sometimes the long religious prayers, I don't know about you, but I daydream during them. It's like, how long is this going to go on? Like some of you probably do when I'm preaching, right? (laughs) And prayer is meant to be a simple open line of communication where our Lord and God says, I love you guys. Spend some time with me. Talk to me. Talk to me. But these guys... Man, they learned how to do. They offered long prayers so that everybody would be so wowed by how holy they were. What a joke. These will receive greater condemnation. These guys who had a measure of the truth, but yet they did not live in accordance with the truth. They wanted all the attention. I love John the Baptist. John the Baptist's disciples come to him and say, hey, this Jesus character that you said was behold the Lamb of God, he's baptizing and his disciples are baptizing a lot of people and a lot of our followers are kind of joining in with Jesus. They're becoming Jesus people. And John says, 